recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Praise God. Well, good morning, everyone. Glad to be joining uh, you online for uh, this service and to share God's word with you this morning. If you're joining us online, we welcome you especially, and we hope that already you've really sensed the presence of God and that you'll be encouraged and refreshed and blessed as we continue to worship God together. Well, last week, uh, I spoke about crises and about embracing crises and got us to think about how God might be at work in our lives in crises that we might be facing. Well, this morning, I want to look at another C word. I want us to look at the word change. Change. Now, again, uh, we react to change differently. Some of us, we thrive on change. We are uh, continually looking to, to do new things and experience new things. And we love the adventure. And the, uh, my daughter, Ebony, is a little bit like that. She is, is one of these people that just thrives on change. She loves to change up her room, rearrange her room uh, quite often. Um, and I guess if there was a spectrum of change, she'd be, in our family, she'd be right up one end. Um, I'd probably be kind of up there in that same end, but probably not as far as she is. Uh, I don't mind change. I, I kind of adapt, I think, quite quickly. Uh, uh, and I'd say the next person along would be Dash. Um, she tends to be a bit of a creature of habit. Um, she handles change well, but w- would not embrace it or choose it um, willingly. And maybe my, my son, Michael, would be the furthest along uh, in terms of the change spectrum. We're, we're all different. You know, some of us find change really difficult and challenging. Uh, we, we're intimidated by new experiences. Um, we, we like things the way that we like things. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, We're all different and God has created us different and unique. Um, But I want us to think about this idea of change because particularly in the COVID environment we're living in, we're having to learn no matter how we handle change for all of us to hold on to things very, very lightly because things change all the time and we can't control those changes. Some of those changes are being imposed on us and we're having to adapt and embrace new ways of doing things. Church online has been one of those things doing church is changing from week to week. We just don't know what we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do. People who've got wedding plans and travel plans and all kinds of other plans are having to continually adapt and pivot and change and try and embrace the new restrictions and the new rules. And from my experience and from the experience of many other people, I think one of the biggest obstacles to change is the past, is is the things that we find comforting and secure and the comfort zone uh, predictable and it's it's the things that we come to rely on that we know to be safe and sure things Um, and a good example of this is you know people who've migrated to Australia from a different country as I did and as many of you have done what tends to happen is that those cultures get stuck in this bubble of the past even in a new country and what they fail to realize is that the, the life in their own country of origin continues to change and adapt and grow. And so in some ways, they get stuck in this, in this capsule, this time capsule of trying to hold on to traditions and dress and, and ways of doing things that are true to their culture. And as time goes, they, they, they become caught in that time capsule of the past. 
and their own culture in their own country of origin has grown and adapted and don't do those things like they used to. And so uh, we see that uh, in this whole process of migration that people can get stuck in, in, in holding on to things uh, and, and not wanting to assimilate or change or adapt or embrace new ways of doing things in their new country of uh, residence. And just like that, I think spiritually we can get stuck as well. Uh, we can get stuck in, in all ways of doing things, in our traditions, in, in our understanding of who God is. And we can get stuck in the past because of positive experiences where we encountered God in a remarkable way at a youth camp or a church camp or even in a church service where God did something so powerful and profound that we kind of idealize that and we hold on to that moment, a bit like the, the disciples did when they went up with Jesus to the mount and saw him transfigured. They're like, let's just stay up here. This is amazing. This is fantastic. We just want to wait here. But Jesus was like, no, no, no. We need to go back down the mountain and move on because there are new things to experience in his ministry. And we can be like that. We can hold on to those special, wonderful high points in our spiritual uh, experience and we, we're so defined and shaped by those that we continually long for that past experience again or we can be locked in our past by negative experiences where we were hurt deeply by uh, by a church or by a church leader or feel that God had failed us or disappointed us or let us down where we we can get trapped in a negative place where we're afraid because we, we stepped out in faith and, and, and it didn't go so well and things kind of just unraveled and fell apart. And so now we're really reluctant to do that again and we never want to try that again because we tried that and it failed and we were hurt by that and so we never want to do that again. Either way, through the positive or the negative, we can find ourselves trapped in a past spiritual experience and miss what God might be wanting to do right now in our lives. We can miss the new things that God might be inviting us to embrace because we're still stuck in an old mindset and we, we, we come to rely on our own understanding about God, even though Proverbs 3, 5 tells us not to, but to trust in the Lord with all our heart and not lean on our own understanding. We, we come up with formulas of ways that we think we can predict what God is going to do we, we, we kind of already think in our minds that we know what God will and won't do and how God's going to work. And we end up putting God in a box. And we kind of limit God according to our own experience of Him. And we, 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 we rely on our traditions or our expectations. And we think that we've figured life out and we've figured God out. And we kind of know exactly what God is going to do in every situation of our lives. But when we come to the, the Word of God and the Bible, we see time and time again that God will not be put in a box. God is constantly doing unexpected things, different, different things, new things, because He wants to break us out of the boxes that we put Him in. He wants to surprise us, challenge us, grow us, so that we can keep embracing new ways of thinking about God, because He's bigger than anything we can imagine or get our heads around. And so we see some uh, biblical examples um, of, of God kind of doing this in, in the Bible, um, uh, where in the Old Testament, the famous example of Moses and, and the rock, when God wants to bring water out of the rock. And the first time around, God says to him to strike the rock. But the second time around, he was supposed to speak to the rock. And yet Moses presumes 
that God will do things the same way he's done before and doesn't obey God but decides to strike the rock again and God rebukes him for that. We see also in the, in the wilderness experience when God turned up to speak to his people um, at Mount Sinai, it was quite dramatic. There was fire, there was smoke, there was earthquake, there was thunder, so much so that the people were terrified and said to Moses, please, we don't want to talk to God face to face. You go and talk to him and tell us what he said. But then as biblical history continues, we see that when God reveals himself to Elijah, it was completely the opposite. It wasn't dramatic. It, God wasn't in the, the thunder and the, and the wind and the fire. He came to Elijah as a gentle whisper. And then we see when God gives his people battle strategies in the Bible, it's always different. For Gideon, he only was meant to have 300 people. They were supposed to take a lantern, a trumpet, and a pitcher. And God brought about an incredible victory in a, the weirdest way through that. And then we read later on, Jehoshaphat, you know, he, he was supposed to send his musicians and singers out ahead of the army. And as they went out and marched into battle, God brought about the victory. And then a little while later with Hezekiah, uh, it was kind of the opposite. God, the, the army didn't even have to go out. God just said, you know what? I'm going to fight this battle for you. And God just routes the enemy without them having to do anything. Um, Jericho, we talked about last week, how God asked them to kind of march around and around. Strange battle strategies, but it's different every time. Another example is provision for Elijah. God feeds Elijah firstly through ravens and then in the same chapter, he now says to Elijah, I want you to go and find this widow and now your provision is going to come through the widow of Zarephath. And we come to the New Testament and we see Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. He kept saying, you have heard it said, but now I say to you, bringing a new understanding to the people of how to understand the law because they'd gotten so struck, stuck in their traditions that they missed what God was wanting to say all along. So Jesus was trying to teach new things to them in, in, on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we mentioned last week how Jesus was healing people differently in different situations, through commanding, through touching, through making mud, through spitting on people's eyes, really strange, weird things that Jesus does, but it's different every time. And then the whole idea of this suffering Messiah you see, because there were so many prophecies and promises in the Bible about this coming Messiah that the, the disciples in, were included in this could not get their head around how this Messiah was going to be a suffering Messiah, how he was going to die on a cross for our sin and not deliver them from Roman oppression, but for the, from the power of Satan and sin and death. They just couldn't understand the new work that God was doing in Jesus and then we see in the book of Acts that in the same chapter, God allows James to be put to death, but Peter is rescued. Why? Well, we're never told. It's just what God does. And it, it, a beautiful illustration of this is in the movie Prince Caspian, where um, the, the, the four children are back in Narnia and they're facing another situation. And if you can put that image up. And Lucy is convinced that she's seeing Aslan in the woods. And she finally has an encounter and a meeting with Aslan. And she says to Aslan, why didn't you turn up? Why didn't you roar and rescue us like you did the last time? And Aslan says this, things never happen the same way twice, dear one. And I love that, 
Because again, sometimes we want to, like Lucy, put God in a box and, and try and predict what God will do and try and expect God to, to move in a certain way according to our understanding, according to our expectations. And I hate to tell you this, but God will often disappoint us because he wants to grow us. He wants to enlarge our understanding of who he is and to be so in awe of him, to be so in reverence of him that we will surrender to him wholeheartedly. And I wanna say to us, church, I've really been stirring, uh, feeling God stirring in my heart that he's wanting to do something different, something new in your life individually, in my life, and in our collective uh, lives as a church together that God is really stirring something. And that's why I've been preaching these things about embracing crises and embracing change because I want us as a church to lay a hold of all that God has for us, to not be stuck in the past, in our thinking, in our understanding of who God is, but to enlarge our understanding, to grow our faith, to allow God to stretch us and change us and to do something new in our hearts and in our minds that we'll be able to embrace all that God is wanting to do in our lives right now in this season. And some of the passages that God's been really putting on my heart that I've been praying into for me and for you as a church, and I encourage for all of us to be really praying into these, uh, are these three passages, and I'm just gonna put them up and read them. And I pray that God really speaks to you as we just read his word um, uh, in this moment. Uh, Isaiah 42, nine says this, see the former things have taken place and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. And Isaiah 43, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I've been praying that for us as a church. God, yes, we wanna see streams in the wasteland. We wanna see a way in the wilderness. We wanna see, Lord, and experience the new thing that you're wanting to do in our hearts. And then Ezekiel is just a really powerful passage, 36. It says this, for I will take you out of the nations. God has brought us out of the nations, out of many nations to come together at PCC and to be a body of believers together. I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and I will bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I've been praying that God, yes, will you cleanse us? Will you refine us? Lord, will you make us a holy people? I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I've been praying that, God, will you transform us in our hearts? Will you change our hearts? Will you make our hearts new and on fire for you? Give us a heart of flesh that beats with your love. And it goes on, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And I've been praying, God, fill us. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit that we might be obedient, that we might honor Jesus, that we might be faithful to him and to his word and live according to your word. Then it says, you will live in the land and I, that I gave your ancestors and you will be my people and I will be your God. And I've been praying, God, may we prosper in this community. May we thrive in this land. May we be a blessing to our city. May we know that we are your people and that you are our God. May we know who we are and may we know who you are, that we might do all that you're calling us to do in this city, in this moment, to bring you glory and honor. 
And so I encourage you, church, pray into those scriptures, believe for it, and be open to what God might be wanting to do in your life, in our church, in this moment. But it is gonna take courage. It is gonna take a willingness to step out of our comfort zone. It is gonna take boldness. It is gonna take us pressing into God. Because like I said, for many of us, change is not something we do well. And yet God is all about change. God is all about transformation. God is all about renewal. God is all about enlarging our capacity to know him and to make him known. That's what it's about. And maybe right now in this moment, you're feeling that. You're feeling that sense of outgrowing your knowledge of God. You've, you've outgrown your understanding of God and you're hitting those walls and you're, and you're needing to push through. And maybe there's a sense of frustration in your heart because the things that used to work aren't working anymore. The things that you used to do and experience God's presence, they're not working anymore. Or maybe you're wrestling with doubts and things that you've always been so sure of in, in, in understanding God and how he works and, and this situation or other situations you've been through have really thrown that for a, a spin and you're, you feel like you're in this spin cycle and you're really not sure about what you believe about God anymore. Or you're, or you're wrestling with unanswered prayer or disappointments and, and you're not sure how to make sense of that and how to make sense of God in your life and his work in your life and, and you're, you're, you're questioning things. And I wanna say to you, as difficult and as hard and as painful as that might be, it's a great place to be because I believe that God is stirring your heart, wanting to break out of the boxes that maybe you've, you put him in and wanting to enlarge you and wanting for you and for me to, to come to know him in a deeper and more profound way. And so this morning, I wanna share with you four principles that I think will help us to embrace change that will help us to step boldly and confidently into what God is maybe wanting to do in our lives. And I want to do that from the story of blind Bartimaeus. And if you turn to Mark chapter 10, uh, verses 46 to 52, we're going to spend these last few moments just looking at this passage because I really believe that God is calling us to respond in these ways to lay a hold of all that he has for us. Let me pray and we'll look at these verses. Father, I thank you for how you're stirring in my heart. I thank you, Lord, because I know that you're stirring in other people's hearts as well who are feeling some of these things. And Lord, I pray that as we consider embracing change, consider, Lord, the new thing that maybe you're wanting to do in our hearts, that you will give us the courage and the boldness to step into that. I pray that you'll speak to us through your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. This is what it says. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. 
four things I think that will help us to think about pushing through and embracing change and embracing the new things that maybe God is wanting us to do. Number one is that Bartimaeus seized the opportunity that he had in that moment. See, it says that he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was coming down his road. Now, it seems clear that at some point, uh, Bartimaeus had heard about Jesus, maybe heard about some of the other miracles that Jesus had done, because clearly him calling out was a calling out in faith. He was believing that this was a divine moment and a divine opportunity to encounter God in a life-transforming way. He'd, He'd come to the place of believing that Jesus could change his life and he was not going to let this opportunity go by. Seize the opportunity. And last week I said that God is the God, oh sorry, two weeks ago I was talking about God being the God of the second chance, the fifth chance, the hundredth chance. Yes, all of that is true. But scripture also calls God's people to respond to him when he does call, to not harden our hearts, to not rebel against God, to not resist God's invitation, but to embrace it and to respond to it and to seize that opportunity. And I wanna say to you that even though God is the God of the X number of chance, He's also a God that will allow us to miss the opportunities that He gives us. And some scriptures that I think bring this out so clearly are these ones. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call on Him while He is near. That's Isaiah 55, 6. So as the Holy Spirit says, and Hebrews chapter three and four have this call several times. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. And that's referring to the children of Israel not stepping into their future in the promised land. 2 Corinthians 6, 2, I love this one. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. You see, the children of Israel, and we're told this in Numbers 13 and 14, that when God brought them to the edge of the promised land, they missed out. That whole generation, except for Joshua and Caleb, died out in the wilderness because they didn't lay a hold of the opportunity that God had given them. They didn't make the most of that moment when God had brought them to the edge of the promised land and they didn't trust God and they didn't step in and lay a hold of the future that God was offering them. And so they missed out. And like that, you and I can miss out. But I wanna encourage you, be like Bartimaeus, that you seize the opportunity that God is giving you right now, that you respond to the whisper of the Holy Spirit in your heart, calling you to embrace God in a new way. The second thing I think uh, it will require us to do is to push through obstacles, push through obstacles. We're told in our text in verse 48, as soon as Bartimaeus decided to step out and seize this um, incredible opportunity that he'd been given of Jesus walking down his road, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But I love this. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. You see, I wanna tell you, friend, that the moment you decide to embrace change, the moment you decide to go all in for God, the moment you decide to step out, all hell will break loose. Well, that's been my experience anyway. And in many of the people that I've been working with and talking to, they they have told me the same thing, that when they made a decision to step out to to make a sacrifice, to go for God, to uh, step into a higher level of commitment, whatever it is in God, everything seemed to come against them. 
You see, we will all find that there'll be plenty of voices in our own life, both within us, through our own fears, our doubts, our anxieties, our temptations, that will cause us to want to retreat back to our comfort zone, to retreat back into that safe place. And there'll be plenty of voices on the outside who are telling us to back, to back up again. And whether that comes in the form of persecution or opposition, and sometimes those voices can be the voices of even people close to us, our friends and our family. And we see that in the life of Jesus. When, when he was preparing for his ministry, just before God anointed, just after God anointed him with the Holy Spirit, and before he went out in his public ministry, he was taken into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And we see that his family rejected him. They didn't understand what Jesus was about. His own disciples wrestled and struggled with Jesus' teaching and, and about his mission and had a very different agenda. And even right at the end, one of his closest friends betray him, another denies him. Uh, and again, there's this opposition, but Jesus remains steadfast. And even in the garden, we see him overwhelmed internally, faced with the, with the challenge of the cross. And yet we see him bowing in humility and reverence, determined to push through and say, not my will, but yours be done. And I want to encourage us to have that same determination that Bartimaeus did. That when people rebuked him and told him, Bartimaeus, be quiet, shush, God's not interested in you. Jesus has no time for you. He's on a mission. He's wanting to get to Jerusalem. He's not interested. Bartimaeus refused to be pushed back and was determined to push forward. And he yells out, even more. And I think the reason for that is that maybe Bartimaeus got a glimpse and a vision of what his life would be like on the other side of his encounter with Jesus. Maybe he got a vision and his faith was stirring in his heart saying, Bartimaeus, if you get Jesus' attention and he touches you, you'll be able to see and your life will be completely different. And he was not going to allow a bunch of people in this crowd to stop him from encountering Jesus. And I see that throughout the New Testament. The New Testament writers kept telling God's people that as we follow Christ, as we live for God, there will be opposition, there will be difficulty, there will be hardship, but they call us to keep persevering and pushing through because the life we have in Christ is worth more, worth more than anything that the world or Satan or our friends or our family can throw against us. Listen to some of these promises and wonderful things. Romans 5, 3 to 5, Paul says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Life in the Spirit, life in, in Christ, life in God's family is worth the suffering. It's worth the suffering. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul goes on to say, therefore we do not lose heart, though inwardly we are wasting away, yet inward, sorry, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Or Hebrews 11, where the writer is talking about Moses, and he says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt 
because he was looking ahead to his reward. Or Paul in Philippians 3.8, and this has been our theme passage for our ministry year this year. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. See, like Paul and like Bartimaeus, what we need is the vision of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. And if we know that and if we have that and we get a glimpse and a vision of this life that God is inviting us to, this life in Christ, this life of transformation and spiritual growth and maturity and and fruitfulness, then we will be willing, like Bartimaeus, to push through the obstacles and keep calling out to Jesus even more desperately because we've gotten a glimpse and a taste of how good God is, as the Psalms say. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And we're willing to push through every challenge, every obstacle, every difficulty to lay a hold of the life that God has for us. The third principle, I think, uh, that we can glean from Bartimaeus' experience is a, a willingness to let go of what we've known. And I love this. It says in verse 49, so they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. In verse 50, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Now, it's interesting, none of the other gospel writers who recount this story mention Bartimaeus throwing his cloak aside. Most Bible commentators uh, believe that this was uh, Bartimaeus' outer garment that he'd stretched out in front of him as he sat by the roadside. And, and it was where the people threw their coins or threw their donations to him. And I think Mark, given that he's not really interested in telling us a lot of detail in his account. It's just fast-paced and action-driven because his whole point is to get to Jerusalem and to get to the cross. The fact that Mark inserts this detail here, I think is interesting. And I think perhaps what Mark is trying to get us and maybe what Bartimaeus was thinking about is letting go of the thing that had characterized and, his, and marked him as a beggar for so long this outer cloak that he spread out for people's donations to be given. And he was so convinced that if he encountered Jesus, that his life was going to be so different that he was not going to need that anymore, that he was stepping away from that old identity, that old, uh, the old thing that, that wrapped him and, and, and characterized him for so long. He was willing to put that aside. We don't know how much money was there or we're not told any of those things, but I think it's so interesting that Mark tells us that he threw it aside and he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. You see, there was not a moment of hesitation or reluctance for Bartimaeus. There was not a moment of thinking, oh, am I ready to to make this step forward? Am I ready to, to give all this up? Am I ready to step away from this? No, he was eager to, to, to throw this aside and jump to his feet and come to Jesus. And I want to say to you that many of us, particularly those of us who've been Christians for a long time, we can be secure in what we know. We, we can end up in comfort zones that we are hard to walk away from and hard to let go. Some of us have been reading the Bible the same way, the same version of the same Bible for 20 years. Some of us have our devotion time mapped out to the minute and we just do it the same way we've always done it. Again, there's nothing wrong with that, but I wonder if there's something new that God wants to do in our hearts. But it might mean letting go. It might mean stepping away from. It might mean being willing to cast aside and jump to our feet and walk away from what we've known. 
You know, I see this in, uh, illustrated in Abraham, where, you know, God calls Abraham to, to go to the new land that he was going to show him. But you know what it took for Abraham to get there? We're told in Genesis 12 that he had to leave his home. He had to leave his country. He had to leave his family. He had to leave everything that he'd known and was securing. He had to leave his old gods that he worshipped because he was a pagan worshipper. He had to leave all the things that he knew and was securing to step into an uncertain and unknown future, but in trusting God. Are we willing to be like Bartimaeus, like Abraham, to step out of what we've known and to step into something new? You see, that was the problem that the Pharisees had time and time again. They just couldn't let go of their traditions. They couldn't let go of, this is the way we've always done things. This is the way God works. This is our understanding and our knowledge of who God is. That was their problem. And that's where Jesus and the Pharisees constantly clashed. They had issues with hand washing. They had issues with fasting. They had issues with the Sabbath. They had issues with a whole bunch of things because Jesus wasn't playing by their rules. Because Jesus wasn't interested in keeping their tradition. Jesus was trying to usher in the kingdom of God in a new and radical way that they just could not wrap their head around. And Mark chapter 2 brings this out beautifully when Jesus has this conversation about fasting. Or the Pharisees actually initiate a conversation with Jesus about fasting. And they're like, hey, we're fasting. John's disciples are fasting. How come your disciples aren't fasting? And Jesus radically reorients their knowledge of what fasting was about and links it to him. And he says, in the kingdom, fasting has to do with me, the son, the Messiah, the bridegroom. And when I'm not here, then the people of the kingdom will fast. It's not anymore having to do with repentance or, or getting God's attention or any of those things that it used to be about. And then he says this incredible thing. He says, no one sews a new patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. So if we really want to lay a hold of the new thing that maybe God is wanting to do in our hearts, it's going to take letting go of what we've known, maybe about God, maybe about how God works in our lives, maybe our traditions, maybe what's worked for us in the past, Maybe the boxes that we've put God in that have been safe and comfortable and that fit and that worked for us. But we're finding maybe right now that they're not working anymore. Maybe it's time to let go and to lay a hold of something new in God. The last principle I think Bartimaeus' story helps us with is right at the end when we're told Jesus asks this, what seems like most ridiculous Question, verse 51, what do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. See, everyone there knew what Bartimaeus' problem was. Jesus would have probably had no misunderstandings about what Bartimaeus' problem and what his need was. Yet Jesus asks him. And I think Jesus does that deliberately and intentionally to see what Bartimaeus actually believed. What was his faith? in Jesus. What did he believe about Jesus? Who did he understand Jesus to be? Most commentators say that when Bartimaeus says Jesus, son of David, that Bartimaeus probably didn't really understand the messianic illusions that that title means about Jesus. 
but that he was using this title as maybe a, a way of respect or a way of getting Jesus' attention. But here, when Jesus, when, uh, Jesus asks Bartimaeus the question and he says, I want to see, Bartimaeus was so clear that Jesus, whoever he was, was able to meet his deepest need. And so the last principle I want to suggest to you is that be honest with God. Be honest with God. You see, Bartimaeus could have said, look, I just need some more cash, Jesus. Or he could have said, Jesus, you know, I want you to bless my family. Or he could have said, Jesus, you know, I, I want just to have a great devotional life with God. He could have said anything. And it all depended on what his faith would have allowed him to ask for. But Bartimaeus was willing to bring his deepest longing to Jesus, to be honest and real with God in that moment saying, there's nothing I want more. There's nothing I want more than to see Jesus. And Jesus recognizes his faith. Jesus recognizes that Bartimaeus trusted him to do something that was a miraculous thing, a supernatural thing. And Jesus says, go, your faith has healed you. And so I want to ask you, what would you say if Jesus was to ask you that question? What do you want me to do for you? How would you answer that question? Jeff, do you want to jump up, please? What would you say? Would you bring your, your deepest longings to Jesus? Would you bring your deepest hurt? Would you bring those things that you are most ashamed of? Would you bring those things that you're most afraid of? Would you bring your deepest insecurity? Would you bring the things that cause you your deepest anxiety? Would you, you bring those things that are representative of your brokenness, maybe your depression, maybe your physical illness, maybe your spiritual desperation, maybe your doubts, maybe your question. What is it? What is your deepest need? Will you be honest with God? You see, with Bartimaeus, his need was obvious. It was external. It was physical. And sometimes our own stuff, our own hurts, our own fears, our anxieties, sometimes are more evident to those around us in our family and in our church than maybe they are to us. And so I encourage you, maybe you need to just take time out to sit alone with Jesus, sit alone with Holy Spirit, and maybe open your heart and ask Jesus the question before this question. Jesus, what is it that my real need is? Jesus, what is it that I really need you to do? Jesus, where is it I'm most needing transformation and change and growth. Jesus, where is my brokenness most obvious? What is the sin that has bound me for so long? What is the fear that just won't let go of my heart? Where do I need your peace the most? Where do I need your truth the most? Where do I need repentance the most? And like I said last week, you know, a good question to ask God, not just in times of crisis, but maybe all the time, is Jesus, what do I need to let go of so I can embrace the new life that you're giving and offering to me today? Maybe sit with Jesus. And when maybe you feel the Holy Spirit reveals that need to you, maybe you can be honest with God and say, God, I don't want to pretend. You know this stuff anyway. I don't want to pretend. I want to bring my heart before you, my whole heart, and invite you into those desperate places to bring transformation and change. Will you do that? You see, 
the reason I think the children of Israel missed out on entering into the promised land is because their, their eyesight, even though they could see, they were blind. They were blind to see God. They saw lots of other things. They, the Bible tells us in Numbers 13 and 14, if you read the story, that they saw the, the obstacles. They saw the walled cities and the giants and they, they saw all the challenges. The Bible says they, they saw their own inadequacy and their own limitations. They said that we seem like grasshoppers to them. That's how they saw themselves. Desperate, small, insignificant, vulnerable. They saw their past. The Bible says in Numbers 14 that they wanted to go back to Egypt again. They're saying, let's go back. It's safer back there. They saw their past. The one thing that they didn't see is God in the midst of all that was going on. But Joshua and Caleb, when you read their story, they saw God. They kept saying, the Lord will do this. The Lord is with us. Yes, those obstacles are real. Yes, we're insignificant. Yes, all the things you're saying is true. But God, the Lord is with us and He will fight for us. And I want to encourage you. Will you be like Bartimaeus? Will you seize this moment, this opportunity in God? Will you lay a hold of it? Will you push through the obstacles? No matter what they are, whether they come from within you or from outside of you, will you push through? Because you've got a glimpse, you've caught a glimpse and a vision of the life that God is wanting for you, a life of knowing Him more deeply, walking with Him more closely, of knowing His love in a more intimate way, of knowing His holiness, of knowing His awesomeness and His power and His greatness, that He will blow your mind, blow the boxes that you put Him in that you'll see Him as bigger than you've ever imagined? Will you push through the obstacles? Will you reach out to Him? Will you, will you be willing to let go of all that you've known, the, the traditions, the limitations of the past, and be honest and real with how you need God to ch- touch you and change you? Why don't you take a moment to just bow your heads and close your eyes, and, and I'm gonna pray, and then Jeff is gonna lead us in our final song this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.